26. To when the sun is in the meridian of our hemisphere footnote 10, anipodi orientali coli occidentali. The word anipodes does not here bear its literal sense, but as we may infer from the simultaneous reference to inhabitants of the north and south is used as meaning men living at a distance of 90 degrees from the zenith of the rational horizon of each observer, the anipodes to the east and to the west, alike, and at the same time, see the sun mirrored in their waters, and the same is equally true of the Arctic and Antarctic poles, if indeed they are inhabited. How to prove that the Earth is a planet 865-867-865, that the Earth is a star, 866. In your discourse you must prove that the Earth is a star much like the Moon, and the glory of our universe, and then you must treat of the size of various stars, according to the authors, 867. The method of proving that the Earth is a star, first describe the eye, then show how the twinkling of a star is really in the eye and why one star should twinkle more than another, and how the rays from the stars originate in the eye, and add, that if the twinkling of the stars were really in the stars as it seems to be that this twinkling appears to be an extension as great as the diameter of the body of the star, therefore, the star being larger than the Earth, this motion effected in an instant would be a rapid doubling of the size of the star, then prove that the surface of the air where it lies contiguous to fire, and the surface of the fire where it ends are those into which the solar rays penetrate, and transmit the images of the heavenly bodies, large when they rise, and small, when they are on the meridian, let be the earth and ND and the surface of the air in contact with the sphere of fire, HFG is the orbit of the moon or, if you please, of the sun, then I say that when the sun appears on the horizon, its rays are seen passing through the surface of the air at a slanting angle, that is OM, this is not the case at DK, and so it passes through a greater mass of air, all of YAM is a denser atmosphere, 868, beyond the sun and us there is darkness and so the air appears blue, 869, perspective, it is possible to find means by which the eye shall not see remote objects as much diminished as in natural perspective, which diminishes them by reason of the convexity of the eye which necessarily intersects, at its surface, the pyramid of every image conveyed to the eye at a right angle on its spherical surface, but by the method I here teach in the margin these pyramids are intersected at right angles close to the surface of the pupil, the convex pupil of the eye can take in the whole of our hemisphere, while this will show only a single star, but where many small stars transmit their images to the surface of the pupil those stars are extremely small, here only one star is seen but it will be large, and so the moon will be seen larger and its spots of a more defined form. You must place close to the eye a glass filled with the water of which mention is made in number 4 of book 113, on natural substances, footnote 23, Libro 113. This is perhaps the number of a book in some library catalog, but it may refer, on the other hand, to one of the 120 books mentioned in number 796, L84. For this water makes objects which are enclosed in balls of crystalline glass appear free from the glass, of the eye, among the smaller objects presented to the pupil of the eye, that which is closest to it, will be least appreciable to the eye, and at the same time, the experiments here made with the power of sight, show that it is not reduced to speck if the NC, read in the margin, those objects are seen largest which come to the eye at the largest angles but the images of the objects conveyed to the pupil of the eye are distributed to the pupil exactly as they are distributed in the air, and the proof of this is in what follows, that when we look at the starry sky, 
without gazing more fixedly at one star than another. The sky appears all strewn with stars, and their proportions to the eye are the same as in the sky and likewise the spaces between them. Footnote, 9, 32. In margin, lines 34-61 are, in the original, written on the margin and above them is the diagram to which Leonardo seems to refer here. 870. Perspective. Among objects moved from the eye at equal distance, that undergoes least diminution which at first was most remote. When various objects are removed at equal distances farther from their original position, that which was at first the farthest from the eye will diminish least, and the proportion of the diminution will be in proportion to the relative distance of the objects from the eye before they were removed, that is to say in the object and the object the proportion of their distances from the eye is quintuple. I remove each from its place and set it farther from the eye by one of the five parts into which the proposition is divided. Hence it happens that the nearest to the eye has doubled the distance and according to the last proposition but one of this, is diminished by the half of its whole size, and the body, by the same motion, is diminished one five of its whole size. Therefore, by that same last proposition but one, that which is said in this last proposition is true, and this I say of the motions of the celestial bodies which are more distant by thirty five hundred miles when setting than when overhead and yet do not increase or diminish in any sensible degree. 871. A B is the aperture through which the sun passes, and if you could measure the size of the solar rays at NM you could accurately trace the real lines of the convergence of the solar rays, the mirror being at a B and then show the reflected rays at equal angles to NM, but, as you want to have them at NM take them at the inner side of the aperture at CD, where they may be measured at the spot where the solar rays fall. Then place your mirror at the distance of me making the rays DBC fall and then be reflected at equal angles towards CD, and this is the best method. But you must use this mirror always in the same month, and the same day, and hour and instant. And this will be better than at no fixed time because when the sun is at a certain distance it produces a certain pyramid of rays. 872. The side of the body in light and shade faces the whole portion of the hemisphere by EF and does not face any part of the darkness of the earth, and the same occurs at the point, therefore the space is throughout of one and the same brightness, and S faces only four degrees of the hemisphere DEFGH and also the whole of the earth SH which will render it darker, and how much must be demonstrated by calculation. Footnote, this passage, which has perhaps a doubtful right to its place in this connection stands in the manuscript between those given in volume, I as number 117 and number 427, 873, the reason of the increased size of the sun in the west, some mathematicians explain that the sun looks larger as it sets, because the eye always sees it through a denser atmosphere, alleging that objects seen through mist or through water appear larger, to these I reply, no, because objects seen through a mist are similar in color to those at a distance, but not being similarly diminished they appear larger. Again, nothing increases in size in smooth water, and the proof of this may be seen by throwing a light on a board placed half under water. But the reason why the sun looks larger is that every luminous body appears larger in proportion as it is more remote. Footnote, lines 5 and 6 are thus rendered by Amoraviasson in his edition of Nizay, Dmem. Akun shows northeast chronite Danslo plain. Etu and Ferrisle experience and Calquandane Sulo. Compare the diagrams in volume I page 114. On the luminosity of the Earth in the universal space 874, 878, 874. 
In my book I propose to show how the ocean and the other seas must, by means of the Sunday make our world shine with the appearance of a moon, and to the remoter worlds it looks like a star, and this I shall prove, show, first that every light at a distance from the eye throws out rays which appear to increase the size of the luminous body, and from this it follows that too, the moon is cold and moist, water is cold and moist, thus our seas must appear to the moon as the moon does to us, 875. The waves in water magnify the image of an object reflected in it. Let be the sun day and 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 the ruffled water. The image of the sun when the water is smooth. Let be the eye which sees the image in all the waves included within the base of the triangle CEF. Now the sun reflected in the unruffled surface occupied the space CD while in the ruffled surface it covers all the watery space CE as is proved in the fourth of my perspective. Footnote 9. Nel quarto della missing in action prospettiva. If this reference is to the diagrams accompanying the text as is usual with Leonardo and not to some particular work, the largest of the diagrams here given must be meant. It is the lowest and actually the fifth, but he would have called it the fourth, for the text here given is preceded on the same page of the manuscript by a passage on word pools, with the diagram belonging to it also reproduced here. The words della missing in action prospettiva may therefore indicate that the diagram to the preceding chapter treating on a heterogeneal subject is to be excluded. It is a further difficulty that this diagram belongs properly to lines 9, 10 and not to the preceding sentence. The reflection of the sun in water is also discussed in the theoretical part of the book on painting, see volume I number 206, 207, and it will cover more of the water in proportion as the reflected image is remote from the eye. Footnote, in the original sketch, inside the circle in the first diagram, is written Sol Sunday and to the right of it Luna Moon. Thus either of these heavenly bodies may be supposed to fill that space. Within the lower circle is written Simulacral Image. In the two next diagrams at the spot here marked the word Luna is written, and in the last Sol is written in the top circle at. The image of the sun will be more brightly shown in small waves than in large ones and this is because the reflections or images of the sun are more numerous in the small waves than in large ones, and the more numerous reflections of its radiance give a larger light than the fewer. Waves which intersect like the scales of a fir cone reflect the image of the sun with the greatest splendor, and this is the case because the images are as many as the ridges of the waves on which the sun shines, and the shadows between these waves are small and not very dark and the radiance of so many reflections together becomes united in the image which is transmitted to the eye, so that these shadows are imperceptible. That reflection of the sun will cover most space on the surface of the water which is most remote from the eye which sees it. Let be the sun day pq the reflection of the sun, a b is the surface of the water, in which the sun is mirrored, and the eye which sees this reflection on the surface of the water occupying the space OM is the eye at a greater distance from the surface of the water and also from the reflection, hence this reflection covers a larger space of water, by the distance between and, 876, it is impossible that the side of a spherical mirror, illuminated by the Sunday should reflect its radiance unless this mirror were undulating or filled with bubbles, you see here the sun which lights up the moon, a spherical mirror, and all of its surface, which faces the sun is rendered radiant, whence it may be concluded that what shines in the moon is water like that of our seas, and in waves as that is, and that portion which does not shine consists of islands and terra firma, this diagram, of several spherical bodies interposed between the eye and the sun day is given to show that, 
just as the reflection of the sun is seen in each of these bodies, in the same way that image may be seen in each curve of the waves of the sea, and as in these many spheres many reflections of the sun are seen, so in many waves there are many images, each of which at a great distance is much magnified to the eye, and, as this happens with each wave, the spaces interposed between the waves are concealed, and, for this reason, it looks as though the many suns mirrored in the many waves were but one continuous sun, and the shadows, mixed up with the luminous images, render this radiance less brilliant than that of the sun mirrored in these waves. Footnote, in the original, at Lepre in the diagram, Sol, the sun is written, and at Akio, the eye. 877. This will have before it the treatise on light and shade. The edges in the moon will be most strongly lighted and reflect most light, because, there, nothing will be visible but the tops of the waves of the water. Footnote 5. I have thought it unnecessary to reproduce the detailed explanation of the theory of reflection on waves contained in the passage which follows this. 878. The sun will appear larger in moving water or on waves than in still water. An example is the light reflected on the strings of a monochord. I. I. The sun. The question of the true and of the apparent size of the sun. 879-884-879. In praise of the sun. If you look at the stars. Cutting off the rays as may be done by looking through a very small hole made with the extreme point of a very fine needle, placed so as almost to touch the eye, you will see those stars so minute that it would seem as though nothing could be smaller, it is in fact their great distance which is the reason of their diminution, for many of them are very many times larger than the star which is the earth with water, now reflect what this our star must look like at such a distance and then consider how many stars might be added both in longitude and latitude between those stars which are scattered over the darkened sky. But I cannot forbear to condemn many of the ancients, who said that the sun was no larger than it appears, among these was Epicurus, and I believe that he founded his reason on the effects of the light placed in our atmosphere equidistant from the center of the earth. Anyone looking at it never sees it diminished in size at whatever distance, and the REA footnote 879-882, what Leonardo says of Epicurus who according to Lewis, the astronomy of the ancients, and Madler, Jeskitsch der Himmelskund, did not devote much attention to the study of celestial phenomena, he probably derived from Book X of Diogenes Laertes, whose Vitae Philosophorum was not printed in Greek till 1533 but the Latin translation appeared in 1475, 880, sons of its size and power I shall reserve for book 4, but I wonder greatly that Socrates footnote 2, Socrates, I have little light to throw on this reference, Plato's Socrates himself declares on more than one occasion that in his youth he had turned his mind to the study of celestial phenomena M.E.W.P.A. but not in his later years C.G.C. Lewis, The Astronomy of the Ancients, page 109, Madler, Jeskitsch de der Himmelskund, page 41. Here and there in Plato's writings we find incidental notes on the sun and other heavenly bodies. Leonardo may very well have known of these, since the Latin version by Thysinus was printed as early as 1491, indeed an dated edition exists which may very likely have appeared between 1480-90. There is but one passage in Plato, Epinomies page 983 where he speaks of the physical properties of the sun and says that it is larger than the earth. Aristotle who goes very fully into the subject says the same. A complete edition of Aristotle's works was first printed in Venice 1495-98.
but a Latin version of the books De Silla et Mundo and De Physica had been printed in Venice as early as in 1483 H. Muller Strubing, should have depreciated that solar body, saying that it was of the nature of incandescent stone, and the one who opposed him as to that error was not far wrong, but I only wish I had words to serve me to blame those who are fain to extol the worship of men more than that of the sun, for in the whole universe there is nowhere to be seen a body of greater magnitude and power than the sun. Its light gives light to all the celestial bodies which are distributed throughout the universe, and from it descends all vital force. For the heat that is in living beings comes from the sole vital spark, and there is no other center of heat and light in the universe as will be shown in Book 4, and certainly those who have chosen to worship men as gods as Jove, Saturn, Mars and the like have fallen into the gravest error, seeing that even if a man were as large as our Earth, he would look no bigger than a little star which appears but as a speck in the universe, and seeing again that these men are mortal, and putrid and corrupt in their sepulchres. Marcellus footnote 23, I have no means of identifying Marcello who is named in the margin. It may be known as Marcellus, an obscure Roman grammarian of uncertain date between the E and NVDH centuries AC the author of the treatise De Compendiosa Doctrina Porligeras A de Filium in which he treats de rebus omnibus et quibus de aliis. This was much read in the Middle Ages. The Edito Princeps is dated 1470 H. Muller Strubing and many others praise the Sunday 881. Epicurus perhaps saw the shadows cast by columns on the walls in front of them equal in diameter to the columns from which the shadows were cast, and the breadth of the shadows being parallel from beginning to end. He thought he might infer that the sun also was directly opposite to this parallel and that consequently its breadth was not greater than that of the column, not perceiving that the diminution in the shadow was insensibly slight by reason of the remoteness of the sun. If the sun were smaller than the earth, the stars on a great portion of our hemisphere would have no light, which is evidence against Epicurus who says the sun is only as large as it appears. 882. Epicurus says the sun is the size it looks. Hence as it looks about a foot across we must consider that to be its size, it would follow that when the moon eclipses the Sunday the sun ought not to appear the larger, as it does. Then, the moon being smaller than the Sunday the moon must be less than a foot and consequently when our world eclipses the moon, it must be less than a foot by a finger's breadth, inasmuch as if the sun is a foot across, and our earth casts a conical shadow on the moon, it is inevitable that the luminous cause of the cone of shadow must be larger than the opaque body which casts the cone of shadow. 883. To measure how many times the diameter of the sun will go into its course in 24 hours, make a circle and place it to face the south, after the manner of a sundial and place a rod in the middle in such a way as that its length points to the center of this circle, and mark the shadow cast in the sunshine by this rod on the circumference of the circle, and this shadow will be let us say as broad as from two. Now measure how many times this shadow will go into this circumference of a circle, and that will give you the number of times that the solar body will go into its orbit in 24 hours. Thus you may see whether Epicurus was right in saying that the sun was only as large as it looked, for as the apparent diameter of the sun is about a foot, and as that sun would go a thousand times into the length of its course in 24 hours, it would have gone a thousand feet, that is 300 brassia, which is the sixth of a mile, whence it would follow that the course of the sun during the day would be the sixth part of a mile and that this venerable snail, the sun will have traveled 25 brassia an hour, 884. 
Posidonis composed books on the size of the Sunday footnote, Posidonis of Apamia, commonly called the Rhodian, because he taught in Rhodes, was a Stoic philosopher, a contemporary and friend of Cicero's, and the author of numerous works on natural science, among them, Strabo quotes no doubt from one of his works, when he says that Poseidonis explained how it was that the sun looked larger when it was rising or setting than during the rest of its course I, I, I. Page 135, Cleonides, a later Greek naturalist also mentions this observation of Poseidonis without naming the title of his work, however, as Cleonides' Cyclia Theorica was not printed till 1535, Leonardo must have derived his quotation from Strabo. He probably wrote this note in 1508, and as the original Greek was first printed in Venice in 1516, we must suppose him to quote here from the translation by Garinius Baronensis, which was printed as early as 1471. Also at Venice H. Muller Strubing, of the nature of sunlight, 885, of the proof that the sun is hot by nature and not by virtue, of the nature of sunlight. That the heat of the sun resides in its nature and not in its virtue or mode of action is abundantly proved by the radiance of the solar body on which the human eye cannot dwell and besides this no less manifestly by the rays reflected from a concave mirror, which when they strike the eye with such splendor that the eye cannot bear them have a brilliancy equal to the sun in its own place, and that this is true I prove by the fact that if the mirror has its concavity formed exactly as is requisite for the collecting and reflecting of these rays. No created being could endure the heat that strikes from the reflected rays of such a mirror, and if you argue that the mirror itself is cold and yet send forth hot rays, I should reply that those rays come really from the sun and that it is the ray of the concave mirror after having passed through the window. Considerations as to the size of the sun 886-891-886. The sun does not move. 887. Proof that the nearer you are to the source of the solar rays the larger will the reflection of the sun from the sea appear to you. If it is from the center that the sun employs its radiance to intensify the power of its whole mass, it is evident that the farther its rays extend, the more widely they will be divided, and this being so, you, whose eye is near the water that mirrors the sun they see but a small portion of the rays of the sun strike the surface of the water, and reflecting the form of the sun. But if you were near to the sun as would be the case when the sun is on the meridian and the sea to the westward you would see the Sunday mirrored in the sea, of a very great size, because, as you are nearer to the Sunday your eye taking in the rays nearer to the point of radiation takes more of them in and a great splendor is the result, and in this way it can be proved that the moon must have seas which reflect the Sunday and that the parts which do not shine are land. 888. Take the measure of the sun at the solstice in mid-June. 889. Why the sun appears larger when setting than at noon, when it is near to U.S. Every object seen through a curved medium seems to be of larger size than at island 890. Because the eye is small it can only see the image of the sun as of a small size. If the eye were as large as the sun it would see the image of the sun in water of the same size as the real body of the Sunday so long as the water is smooth. 891. A method of seeing the sun eclipsed without pain to the eye. Take a piece of paper and pierce holes in it with a needle, and look at the sun through these holes. I I I. The moon. On the luminosity of the moon 892-901-892. Of the moon. As I propose to treat of the nature of the moon, it is necessary that first I should describe the perspective of mirrors, whether plain, 
concave or convex, and first what is meant by a luminous ray, and how it is refracted by various kinds of media, then, when a reflected ray is most powerful, whether when the angle of incidence is acute, right, or obtuse, or from a convex, a plane, or a concave surface, or from an opaque or a transparent body, besides this, how it is that the solar rays which fall on the waves of the sea, are seen by the eye of the same width at the angle nearest to the eye, as at the highest line of the waves on the horizon, but notwithstanding this the solar rays reflected from the waves of the sea assume the pyramidal form and consequently, at each degree of distance increase proportionally in size, although to our sight, they appear as parallel, first, nothing that has very little weight is opaque, to daily, nothing that is excessively weighty can remain beneath that which is heavier, three daily, as to whether the moon is situated in the center of its elements or not, and, if it has no proper place of its own, like the earth, in the midst of its elements, why does it not fall to the center of our elements, footnote 26, the problem here propounded by Leonardo was not satisfactorily answered till Newton in 1682 formulated the law of universal attraction and gravitation, compare number 902, lines 515, and, if the moon is not in the center of its own elements and yet does not fall, it must then be lighter than any other element, and, if the moon is lighter than the other elements why is it opaque and not transparent, when objects of various sizes, being placed at various distances, look of equal size, there must be the same relative proportion in the distances as in the magnitudes of the objects, 893, of the moon and whether it is polished and spherical, the image of the sun in the moon is powerfully luminous, and is only on a small portion of its surface, and the proof may be seen by taking a ball of burnished gold and placing it in the dark with a light at some distance from it, and then, although it will illuminate about half of the ball, the eye will perceive its reflection only in a small part of its surface, and all the rest of the surface reflects the darkness which surrounds it, so that it is only in that spot that the image of the light is seen, and all the rest remains invisible, the eye being at a distance from the ball, the same thing would happen on the surface of the moon if it were polished, lustrous and opaque, like all bodies with a reflecting surface, show how, if you were standing on the moon or on a star, our earth would seem to reflect the sun as the moon does, and show that the image of the sun in the sea cannot appear one and undivided, as it appears in a perfectly plain mirror. 894. How shadows are lost at great distances, as is shown by the shadow side of the moon which is never seen. 895. Either the moon has intrinsic luminosity or not. If it has, why does it not shine without the aid of the sun? But if it has not any light in itself it must of necessity be a spherical mirror, and if it is a mirror, is it not proved in perspective that the image of a luminous object will never be equal to the extent of surface of the reflecting body that it illuminates? And if it be thus footnote 13, at a in the diagram, Leonardo wrote, Sol, the Sunday and at the, Luna o terra, the moon or our earth. Compare also the text of number 876, as is here shown at rs in the figure whence comes so great an extent of radiance as that of the full moon as we see it, at the fifteenth day of the moon, 896, of the moon, the moon has no light in itself, but so much of it as faces the sun is illuminated, and of that illumined portion we see so much as faces the earth, and the moon's night receives just as much light as is lent it by our waters as they reflect the image of the sun down which is mirrored in all those waters which are on the side towards the sun, 
The outside or surface of the waters forming the seas of the moon and of the seas of our globe is always ruffled little or much, or more or less and this roughness causes an extension of the numberless images of the sun which are repeated in the ridges and hollows, the sides and fronts of the innumerable waves, that is to say in as many different spots on each wave as our eyes find different positions to view them from. This could not happen, if the aqueous sphere which covers a great part of the moon were uniformly spherical for then the images of the sun would be one to each spectator, and its reflections would be separate and independent and its radiance would always appear circular, as is plainly to be seen in the gilt balls placed on the tops of high buildings. But if those gilt balls were rugged or composed of several little balls, like mulberries, which are a black fruit composed of minute round globules, then each portion of these little balls, when seen in the Sunday would display to the eye the luster resulting from the reflection of the Sunday and thus, in one and the same body many tiny suns would be seen, and these often combine at a long distance and appear as one. The luster of the new moon is brighter and stronger, than when the moon is full, and the reason of this is that the angle of incidence is more obtuse in the new than in the full moon, in which the angles of incidence and reflection are highly acute. The waves of the moon therefore mirror the sun in the hollows of the waves as well as on the ridges, and the sides remain in shadow, but at the sides of the moon the hollows of the waves do not catch the sunlight, but only their crests, and thus the images are fewer and more mixed up with the shadows in the hollows, and this intermingling of the shaded and illuminated spots comes to the eye with a mitigated splendor, so that the edges will be darker because the curves of the sides of the waves are insufficient to reflect to the eye the rays that fall upon them. Now the new moon naturally reflects the solar rays more directly towards the eye from the crests of the waves than from any other part, as is shown by the form of the moon, whose rays strike the waves and are reflected in the line BD the eye being situated at. This cannot happen at the full moon, when the solar rays, being in the west, fall on the extreme waters of the moon to the east from two, and are not reflected to the eye in the west, but are thrown back eastwards with but slight deflection from the straight course of the solar ray, and thus the angle of incidence is very wide indeed. The moon is an opaque and solid body and if, on the contrary, it were transparent, it would not receive the light of the sun. The yellow or yolk of an egg remains in the middle of the albumen, without moving on either side, now it is either lighter or heavier than this albumen, or equal to it, if it is lighter, it ought to rise above all the albumen and stop in contact with the shell of the egg and if it is heavier, it ought to sink, and if it is equal, it might just as well be at one of the ends, as in the middle or below. The innumerable images of the solar rays reflected from the innumerable waves of the sea, as they fall upon those waves, are what cause us to see the very broad and continuous radiance on the surface of the sea. 897. That the sun cloud, 